I'm in, I'm yours. That's just an amazing statement right there. And I believe it works both ways. We can say it to the Lord. He certainly will say it to us. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. What a great worship time. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, just got a couple things to uh, talk to you about really, really quickly. Uh, one, I already forgot the second thing, so. <laughs> it may, it, uh, one thing for sure. So um, we had a really cool two-hour blizzard Friday. <laughs> and uh, it was... I mean, the snow was just amazing, right? I mean, it was just, some, wow. And, and the nice thing is, you don't have to have a snow shovel. Although I have three, you don't have to have a snow shovel in North Carolina. And I just, I like that it was so beautiful. Uh, Janie's nephew uh, from Omaha, uh, he's a worship pastor at a really size, good, sizable church in Omaha. And uh, him and his wife were in Gastonia area, going to do a wedding this weekend. And so he texted, hey, we'd love to come up and see you, and, and all that cool stuff, and so they were able to come in, and, and uh, we apologized for our two-hour blizzard, and uh, said, we got to hurry up and go to the store and get some milk and bread, because they're, they're going to be out, and uh, he, he, I, the grandbabies, sometimes we help pick them up from school and that, and so they were, uh, uh, they had gotten out early, one o'clock close, and uh, I told Willie, his name, I said, Willie, yeah, they close schools early, he said, how come? So well, it's snowing. Yeah, I mean, can't you? This? this? I mean, like, for the, yeah, it's, it's tough getting used to, but it's really great when you get used to it. You just blame everything on that one snowflake that comes down. I'm late, can't make it, need milk, just whatever, whatever you want. And he's like, no, really? I said, yeah, really? It's the most amazing thing in the world. It's like heaven in North Carolina. A little bit of snow, you can't go, you can't do it. The only problem is you got to be remember, got to be ready for that call because the kids are going to be waiting. School closed two hours early. I can't believe that. I said, "Yeah, it's just the most beautiful thing in the world, man." But the, he goes to a really cool church. He helped plant the church seven years ago, and uh, they've grown to about three thousand people. And uh, in that seven years, they've planted eight churches. And they're planting three more churches this year. So he's really uh, challenged what Janie and I have had on our heart all the last year or so anyways. Just get connect with church planters. And we visited with a guy last or two weeks ago that planted 2,300 churches. And just a lot of stuff going on. So church, I feel like we get one thing through, one time through. And we got to make the most of it. Amen? And so we just got to we got to be careful that we're not you know, hoarding God's gifts or, or using them right. And, you know, just make sure that we're, we're, we're mindful that God may give us a word or a call and we got to act upon that. That's what the sermon series is going to be about as we talk with, uh, through with, with Jonah. Uh, we're going to study the book of Jonah. And so it's, it's a real confliction for me, and I'll get into it as a pastor, as a father, as a husband, as a friend. Yeah, thank you. I, I, it did come to me. Janie, Janie's my uh, cue card, like the things I need to talk about. And so uh, but, uh, I, I messed up. I, I, I'm, I'm messed up this week uh, with the death of Kobe Bryant. And uh, I don't know if you are a sports fan or you follow, but uh, the whole helicopter thing and his, him and his 13-year-old daughter. And I have a grandson that's 11, 11 and a half, and just going to a basketball game. And they were in church earlier that day. And, and uh, you know, I just, I, I just, 
I want us to pray for a couple things. I want to pray for the Bryant family and, and all seven or eight, nine that were involved in that helicopter accident. One, two, whenever you hear of any accident on the, on the news, pray for the families involved. You know, there's murders, it seems like, almost every day in Charlotte. There's automobile accidents on I-40, and those are somebody's family. So do that. Whenever you hear something on the news, just take a, a short minute and just pray for those people involved. But also recognize every day. Whenever Jane and I, we come into the office a lot together, but whenever we come in separately, we always say I love you. Every chance we get, we say I love you to the kids when we give them a hug before we leave or we say goodbye for the week, whatever. Make sure you make sure you tell your family you love them. Appreciate and value family. I'm sure uh, Kobe Bryant's wife, Vanessa, did not think that was going to be the last time that she saw her husband and, and second daughter. Uh, and that's a big thing. So just, be again, be mindful. Uh, use, it for, use it for the Lord and, and know that God's in charge. Amen? So uh, it messed me up. Maybe it did you. Maybe it didn't impact you as much. But I'm a huge sports fan, and, and those things just kind of uh, play on me a little bit. So... Uh, Justice like a river. We're gonna. I'm gonna talk to you today. It's not gonna be real preachy. It'll be a little bit teachy, but mainly, mainly, it's just gonna be conversation that I want to talk to you about to open the sermon series up on the book of Jonah. And Jonah is only four chapters, but we're gonna take several weeks, probably six or eight weeks, just to get through it because there's so much impact and there's so much meat in this book that it's not just a cute little Bible story. It's not a cute little Sunday school story that we talk to three or four or five year olds about. It's really impactful about social justice, and it's very needed in our society today. And so uh, I didn't have the first service stand, but I'm going to have you stand for the reading of the word today. Just uh, out of Jonah, verses, chapter 1, just verses 1, 2, and part of 3. And so, uh, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of uh, Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up, up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. And as we deliver your word today, I believe it's a word for our church, Grace Church, and uh, season, Lord, election year, and uh, Lord, people that, Lord, just need God and need you, as we all do. I pray you open our hearts like Janie spoke during worship, Lord. Open our hearts to hear what you have for each one of us, Father. Lord, let us set aside any preconceived notions, Lord, of what we have, what the gospel looks like. And Lord, let us walk with diligence and faithfulness, Lord and fear free to do what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody in agreement said amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word of God. Let's go to Amos, the fifth chapter, verse 24 for a moment. This is kind of where we get that scripture. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Marcus closed the first service, and he did a really good job in this fact that a river flows. Although a river and a lake may have, at some point in time, the same body of water, the same amount of water, a, a river flows through and keeps flowing. This is how we need to allow justice in our life to flow, to roll down like water. We can't confuse justice with judgment, okay? Judgment's a totally different thing than justice. Justice is something like that flows through us like mercy or grace and those type of things, where if we haven't seen somebody for a while, irregardless of what state of mind they're in, we need to be able to throw our arms around them and hug them and, and love them to, back into the kingdom of God. Amen? And so it, it's important that we do that. So uh, let justice roll down like waters. What you'll hear and hopefully learn over the next month or month and a half is that we need to allow justice to flow. And I feel like I've got some insight from God. I've been, uh, I set up 
I set up a prayer room in my office. I, I've been reading through the Word of God like I do every year, uh, and I've been praying to the Lord, just what, what does Grace Church look like this year? And I think over the next six or eight weeks, as we walk through this sermon series that will take us near the Easter season, I think God has a wonderful plan for Grace Church. I think, though, we have to prepare our hearts for the next six weeks or eight weeks on, on what, what justice looks like. And, and as Janie mentioned, uh, steel-toed boots. I, I even wore my boots today because I'm, like I said, I'm conflicted as a, I always tell people, they say, what are you? I, I always tell them, first, I'm a, a child of God. And then next, I'm a husband. And then next, I'm a father. And then next, I'm a friend. And then next, I'm a pastor. So pastor is like fifth down that list. And then, but in my pastoral skills, uh, being raised in South Omaha, we were, we were taught to, uh, to, when you get backed into a corner, you don't let justice roll down. You throw the first punch. And, and so having lived that way, my generation is much like that. Our, our generation, the, 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 the men that I hang around with, that's our, that's our MO. That's how, so I feel like that's not always godly, though, okay? And I, I could find a scripture that, that, would, that would work for that, but that, wouldn't be, that would be pulling scripture out of text. That being said, I want to go through the book of Jonah and see how Jonah reacts and acts to certain situations that maybe he didn't act the right way and had to go back and react and still didn't do some things right to allow us to, for Grace Church, and for any church for that matter, for Grace Church to be the church that allows justice to roll down like a River, to be that, that church that says, yeah, you know, things aren't maybe going our way, but we're going to rise above. Things are, are God's growing and God's moving and things are happening and we're going to continue to allow, uh, you know, give, give God all the glory, all the honor and praise. And by the way, uh, we were downtown on Friday uh, in the downtown building and they got drywall up and the, the rumors are sh taking shape and a uh, lot of good things. Uh, we are going to take an offering at the end of March to help offset some of the overage costs that we'll have. But thank you for all your prayers. Thank you for your patience. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for just being the church you are. That's going to be another campus, which is going to have more people and new people. And we're going to continue to do things that are going to be a way that we can reach this whole area for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're going to do it by walking through justice and letting it roll down like a river. Let's go to the first first verse of Jonah, the first chapter again. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, stop there for a second, because I'll give you some biblical background. We'll try to walk through some stuff, maybe theologically, not necessarily doctrinally, but theologically. In the Old Testament, now, if you're, say, for instance, if I proclaim the word, I would be considered a New Testament prophet. New Testament prophets are all life givers, okay? So it's about, you know, uh, being overcomers, and that's always been the crux of of our uh, ministry, the underlying factor is, hey, we believe you can overcome. And Janie and I have been through things together uh, over nearly 40 years of marriage. We've had to fight through issues and dif different things. And we know that God, if God will do it for us, God will do it for anybody through health or finances, whatever, whatever uh, the enemies brings our way, we've been able to fight through. But we're not any different than anybody else. And so we become prophets in the fact that we can proclaim the word of the Lord. We can proclaim victory. That's the New Testament 
Testament prophet. In other words, the New Testament prophet shouldn't be gloom and doom. It should be, hey, uh, Jesus made a way. Now let's find it together. You can overcome. Yeah, maybe you've been knocked down six times or 60 times. You can get back up. We're going to walk through with you on that. And we're going to help you. And we're going to teach you. And we're going to walk through. Then the choice is, is on you. The Old Testament prophet had always been given a word to work through them to the nation of Israel or a word to work through them that was to a king of an opposing nation about the nation of Israel. In other words, Jeremiah was a prophet to Israel. Ezekiel was a prophet to Israel. Daniel was a prophet to Israel. Moses was a type of prophet, type and shadow of prophet for Israel to Egypt. And so, but this is unique in the fact that Jonah is a prophet, but he's a prophet to um, to Israel, but the word is just to Jonah. So it's not, this is not a word to Israel. This is a word to Jonah. And, and we'll, we'll learn back and forth as we go through this series, as we dialogue, what Jonah's mindset is. What type of person Jonah, because like if you're a prophet uh, in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, you shouldn't be uh, a racist. You shouldn't be a bigot. You, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't allow social injustices to take place. Amen? And so th this is where the church then needs to, to rise up. And in my sermon notes, I have uh, the word prodigal. In fact, I've entitled this whole sermon series prodigal. Uh, the word prodigal in Webster's Dictionary means to be recklessly extravagant. Recklessly, and sometimes the church becomes recklessly extravagant because we have this tremendous message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we don't really readily share it to people, but we're really quick about judging people by it. Steel toes, those, that's that boot, the boot things Janie was talking about, so I can blame it on her now. We're, we're, oh, those people shouldn't do that. That person shouldn't do that. Oh, that person's going to die and go to hell. And it's like sometimes we're, almost a little bit excited about it. Like, you know, I'll, we'll teach them. God will teach you in the end. And I, I think we need to start looking at all people as God's creation. All people. I mean, not, not just people that attend Grace, Church, attend Grace Church, which I believe are the greatest people in the world. I really mean that. We, we feel like Grace Church, you're the, you're the best people. But some person that maybe doesn't a church, attend church because they're strung out on drugs or maybe they're the leader of a communist nation. We still have to love them. And that's hard to say, right? And I'm conflicted because I'm going through issues in my life, my personal life, where it's hard for me to love a, a, a couple individuals because of the, the whole rank and file system. I'm a child of God. I'm a, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a friend. And then I'm a pastor. And the pastoral role takes about fifth place. And right now, I'm kind of glad. But I have to act like a pastor, Right? And so sometimes we have to act the part, and I don't like act the part because I'm not good at faking it until I make it. I don't, I, there's no fake in me. You just kind of get what you, I, I just, I don't, like, I don't like the faking part, okay? And so just be who you are, but be who you are in Christ. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, and you have to understand, let's, well, let's go to verse 2 for a second. So this word is to Jonah. And by the way, God might give you a word that's not for anybody else. God gave a word to Abram. He said, go. We studied this the last four weeks. It's all about vision and input and watching God work through Abraham and how cool that 
was once he got rid of the, the lots in his life and the, the people that weren't supposed to be there and the spirits that weren't supposed to be there and how God blessed him with an extraordinary vision. Well, now God's bringing a word to Jonah, and this word for Jonah is that it's just going to be you. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. You have to understand about Nineveh. So Nineveh is the size of New Orleans, about 250,000 people. It's the capital of Syria, and Syria is the world power at the time. Okay, so you got Nineveh, 250,000 people, size of New Orleans, and Nineveh is like the city of New Orleans during Mardi Gras. Anybody ever been to Mardi Gras? I have. Janie has. Most of our family has. Don't judge me. So I feel that judgment right now. We were on a missions trip. We, Janie says, we were on a missions trip. We were, we were. We were, we were on a missions trip with the missions organization. The kids had to do it for school, Bible, Bible school. And because I'm a pastor, they invited us to go down there a couple of times. And Janie said, I really don't, like, I don't want to go. I said, I don't really want to go either, but, like, we should go. It's a missions trip. And uh, we did. And so this is, this is Jonah's plight in life is that he's got to go only, it, it's, it's, it's like they're living like, New Orleans at Mardi Gras time, but they have a ruler like Kim Jong-un from uh, North Korea who, who uh, just in the past year killed two of, his, uh, two of his uncles because they didn't line up with his theology, his methodology. So, so hear me, this is, this is what Nineveh is like. This is where Jonah has to go. And if you have young children and they're in the room, just close their ears for a second because uh, the uh, Shema Zelnar, the king of Assyria at the time, is recognized by historians as being one of the most vicious, evil kings of all time. So they would burn their children alive. These are the people like from, from his nation. They would burn their children alive if that family didn't line up with what he said. They would decapitate uh, the, the heads off of people, and then family members had to walk around with that head on a stick. They had to parade through the streets. They would cut out the tongues of prisoners so they didn't have to uh, hear them cry or moan. And then they would take, if, they were, if you were a warrior for another nation, and that nation was in opposition to uh, Assyria, what they would do is if they would get, they get you down, they would cut off both legs and the left arm, and then that soldier from Assyria would reach out out and mocked you while he grabbed your right hand until you bled to death. This is where Jonah was supposed to go. Now, some people are like, uh, pastor wants us to go knock on five doors and invite our neighbors out for, for Easter. I'm not doing that. At least I'm not sending you to Nineveh. Are you with me? I mean, it could be a whole lot worse. I'm not inviting anybody to church. That's not my, no, that really is your command by Jesus, not by Pastor Mark. Jesus says, go and make disciples, Matthew 28, 19, 20. Yeah, but, you know, I, I do this in the church. I serve in another capacity. I do this. That, that should be every one of our callings, Grace Church, should be to knock on a door, give them a loaf of bread or a cookie, or disguise it somehow and say, hey, if you don't have a church, why don't you come to ours? Or can I pray with you in some way, shape, or form? We have a team that goes out every Thursday. You don't have to be a part of that team. You can go out another day of the week or once a month or once once a year, but we're entering to a, a Easter season that is a great time to invite people to church. 
It's a magnificent time. Are you with me? Okay, so what, what Jonah is told to do here is go to the most violent, unchristian or ungodlike country in, in the world at that time. Plus, that word great doesn't mean good. That word great means powerful, okay? And we, we learn in Scripture, this Scripture over the next several weeks, there was a great city, there was a great wind, there was a great fish, but there's always a great God in your life, okay? God is always good, and God is always great. And I believe that word great is used for that reason. So when he dodges, and we'll see in a minute, that great city, he catches hold of a great wind. So whenever we stop doing whatever God wants us to do, we run into a, an obstacle or a vehicle or a roadblock that's even greater than the thing that God wants us to do. Why? Because we can't dodge God. He wants to use you. You're his warriors. You're his soldiers, okay? So he says, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. And so like Jonah, like many of us, he does, he's, he's what we would call a, a capitalist. Um, well, I'll get into that. Let me, let me save that for a second. He, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a God follower who wants to follow God, but only if it works to his schedule and his character. Like, he doesn't want to follow God if it means going and preaching. Is he afraid of Nineveh? Probably so. Does he hate Nineveh? Probably so. Does he hate the people in Nineveh? Probably so. Because in 2 Kings, the 14th chapter, then we learn that this St. Jonah, uh, the son of uh, Amity, is a uh, religious zealot. In other words, he's a radical patriot for, for Israel. And so he would have been the last person that needs to go over to another country and, and tell them that they're not living right, that they need to be repentant. So in other words, he might be afraid, but at the same time, he probably has a hatred for those people because of the way they live because of the way they are. So here's this, this patriot, this, this zealot for Israel, like the, the number one guy, like I love Israel, and, and he's flying the flag, and now he's got to go down here, and he's got to say, you got to repent, or God's going to raise up against you. Am I going to die? It would be like a rabbi uh, preaching out of the, uh, out of the Old Testament uh, in 1941 on the streets of Berlin. They would last about two minutes before they would be dead. This is Jonah's mindset, just to put things into perspective. His mindset is, if I go down there, I'm going to die. And I don't want to go to this group of people who I just absolutely hate and can't stand. Do you see how God's working in this thing? Like, just don't raise your hand, but think for five seconds, is there someone in your life who you just absolutely cannot stand? Think of for just a second, if there's a group of people that you think, man, those, there's no way those people are going to go to heaven. If there's a group of people that you might think, those people don't even deserve to go to heaven. Now think for a second. This is Jonah's mindset. This is, what, think, what God is trying to relate to us. This is what God is trying to teach us. This is what God is trying to tell us that when we say for all people, God really means it even if we don't. <laughs> Luke 2.10, he came for all the people. We just left out the word though. For all people. God is for all people. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Great city, great wind, great fish, great God. 
And actually, we say greater God for that matter. So let's go to verse number three for just a second, and we'll kind of park there for a while. But Jonah rose to flee Tarsus from the presence of God. So Jonah gets up, and Nineveh is this way, and Tarsus is this way. So he gets up, and it's almost a duplication of what Abraham goes through, only Abraham does it right. God says, get up and go. And then he goes, and he says, arise and walk. He rises and walk, and he says, I'll show you where you need to go, and I'll teach you along the way. But Jonah, instead of getting up and going to, to Nineveh, he runs to Tarsus, which is exactly the opposite. And the reason he goes there is because he's afraid, but not only is he afraid, but he just doesn't like those people. He's such a racist. He's, so, he's such a, a social injustice type person that he makes himself religious in this regard, like a scribe or a Sadducee or a Pharisee. They don't deserve what I have for them. God, I'm actually mad at you. Hear that, because I think sometimes, church, if we're not careful, it infiltrates the, the church. It infiltrates like, I can't believe you voted for that person. I, I, can't, I can't believe you're registered in that political party. I, I don't think any Christian would be, could be registered in that political party. I, I, can't believe that you can, I can't believe that you can't, I mean, how could you not vote for that person? How, how could you not? I had a, a guy back in 2016 who served in the church, and I thought he was, you know, kind of, nice, and we would talk a little bit, and then I recognized he was super political, and, and uh, so then I, I tried to tame it down a little bit, and so he came after the election, and he gave me a high five. I said, hey, how are you doing? He's good. He said, I'm so sorry your person didn't get in. Like, how'd you know I, who I voted for? You don't have no idea who I voted for. You have no idea how I'm even registered. And I'll tell you, like I told the first service, I'm not a registered Republican. Pastor, I'm going to send you to Nineveh. <laughs> Janie's going to walk around with your head on a stake. I'm not a registered Democrat either, so there. Oh, crap, people. Oh, I shouldn't say it. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Normally I don't say slang words because they're just as bad as the real word. That's a men's note. I'm sorry. Oh, dear Lord. Hey, can we edit that out? Hey, everybody online, give our online crowd a... Uh, I normally don't... I normally don't cuss. I, I'm a registered independent, and I'll tell you why. I feel like from my pastoral position, it's better for me to be registered as an independent because then I can, I can objectively look at... Uh, I don't... I, I, believe, I believe strongly... In, in what Democrats do socially as far as uh, helping people. I, I believe they take it too far and enable. And I, wanna, I don't want that social injustice. I believe strongly in what Republicans do and the fact that you should get out and work and you should, you should raise up. You shouldn't always have someone else pay your bills and do stuff for you. And so I, I, I believe strongly both ways. Are you with me? Does it make sense? I think you take the good of both parties and say, hey, this is where we're at. This is, and this is just my philosophy. But God showed us that we should not, and we have to be careful, that we, God said, I don't want to give you kings because here's what kings will do for you. Kings will send your children to war and they will die and kings will cause taxation for you. And this is what God said. And so we have children going off to a war that they didn't start, but they have to fight in. Okay. And we have taxation, your tax between seven and 12 times.
times on every dollar that you make. All right? Now, here's the other thing. I believe that when Jesus died, buried, and rose again, he regained kingship. And so we only have one king that we should pray to, one king that we should adore, one king that has authority. And listen, if you're waiting for man to solve your problems, you allowed Satan to come in and trick you. Man will never solve your problems. Only God will. God will will place a person in office. We understand that. God will take a person out of office. We understand that. I don't want this to become political, but it does become social, okay? And so in our social justice, what happens is if we look at Jonah and he arose and ran the wrong way, he then becomes a prodigal. He became recklessly extravagant. He had God's word for a country or for a city or for a nation or for a person, and he totally ran the other way because he did not think that they were worthy of what God had to say to him. And sometimes that's a church in America, church. We're like, you're not worthy for me to to preach the gospel. You're not worthy for me. And we start damning people to hell that don't deserve there because hell was not created for them. Hell was created for for Satan and the third of the innocent with them. And we're supposed to be loving church that loves people and hopefully rescues them from the pits of hell by the love that we show our King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Prime example is Luke 15 chapter. We call it the prodigal son. Only both sons are prodigal. Both sons have this issue. The first son is a social prodigal. He's a, he's a, he's a uh, in fact, I've, I've written it down. He's a social person, uh, social extravagant, social prodigal. Why? Because he, he wants everything that somebody else worked for. God, uh, his father, and it's a, it's a type of Christ, but his father has worked for everything, and in the culture of that day, he doesn't get everything until his father dies. So he's in a sense saying, Father, I wish you were dead. Can you give me everything that you owe me? And then he goes out and blows it all, and then he, he, the Bible says he comes to himself and he decides, man, why did I do that? At least I can go back and, and work for my father in my father's kingdom and be a part of that. The other one is a capitalist in his justice department, capitalist prodigal. And why is that? Because he doesn't really care about the father, and he certainly doesn't care about the son. He cares that the father blew half of his inheritance on the son because he wants it all for himself, because he's mad at the father, just like Jonah was. First of all, Jonah ran the other way, and then Jonah's mad at God because he wants to save Nineveh. How many times in our life do we get mad at somebody, right? Because our 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 question God, God, how can you save that person? How, how in the world can you do that? We had the person dead, buried, and in hell long before God did. Because Jesus came to save every person, right? It would be that all would be saved. I wrote this down, capitalization without social justice. Let me say that again. Capitalization without social justice is extravagant. That's the second word of what it means to be a prodigal. So the church, if we're not careful, becomes that way. We guard who can come in and who can leave the church. We guard who we want to minister to or don't want to minister to. We guard where our children should be around. I say some of it's wisdom. Don't get me wrong. I think some of it's wisdom. But Marcus, our, our, uh, one of our staff pastors, and our son takes his three-year-old daughter knocking on doors. Daddy, we're going to knock on doors? She spends time with Grammy on Tuesdays. Me and Daddy knocked on seven doors on Saturday. We knocked on doors. We prayed for people. We share the love of Jesus Christ. So they're not too young to learn. 
They're not too young to, to know what it means to be evangelistic, to be, to be, I would, and it's not just about knocking doors, but let's use that for a second. Socially, church, if we're not careful, we become capitalists that we can't share what we have with other people because we don't think they deserve it or we don't think that they've earned it, or we don't think that they're ready or willing. You go out with our team on Thursday night, and we go into some parts of the city, we don't care if they've earned it or not. We knock on the door and say, hey, my name is Mark, and I'm with Grace Church. Can I pray with you today? That's the easiest in that most people will accept prayer. Some people don't. Some people slam the door on me and Chip the other day, or two weeks ago, me and Brian, we were out there, and they slammed the door on us. We walked away laughing. What we did, we stopped and prayed for him anyways. And then I wrote this down, socialism without accountability is reckless. And people want what they haven't earned. See, Paul said this, a man who would not work should not eat. You with me? You know that one well, right? I quote it almost every day. And I was thankful growing up when I got my second and third job that I could feed our family so that Jenny could stay home with the kids. I wasn't mad at God that I had to get a second job. I was thankful when the Lord blessed me one, with one. Honey, I got another one. I got a part-time one on the weekend. And oh, it's at midnight, so I can still make church, teach Sunday school. I was thankful I didn't get mad at God. So, but Paul said that same person is worth, worse than an infidel. In other words, someone that's unfaithful. That's where we get the terminology. It was infidelity in the relationship. That person, was, that, was, that person is worse than someone that is an infidel. But then, so that's Paul. And I kind of like Paul's theology, don't you? I mean, I like Paul. I I think Paul was, you know, you knew where you stood with Paul. It wasn't like, hey, what what do you think he's trying to say? No, Paul pretty much says it right there. If a man would, would not work, he should not eat. He is therefore worse than an infidel. But now, on the other hand, so pastor, that's scriptural, right? Like, that's my, that's my capitalism. I got to, yeah, all right, get out there and work. And I agree. But then there's a social aspect, and the wisest man in the world, Solomon, King, King Solomon, said this. He said, if you mock the poor, you insult God. But if you give to the poor, you've loaned to God. God will repay. So is it a confliction in terms? No, it's both and. It's not either or. In our, in our walk, as far as social justice goes, we have, to be, we have to teach people how they can work for themselves. We have to teach people how they can receive Christ. We have to teach people, but at the same time, we can't discount somebody right away because they don't know gospel or because they're a drug addict or because they're working perversion or whatever the case may be. Yes, we want to keep them away from our kids, but at the same time, we have to, at some point in time, learn how we can reach over, pick them back up, and say, listen, you at some time have to learn how to stand for yourself and walk for yourself, but until then, I'm going to walk with you. And as I, as I or you walk with them, then we understand. And see, this social injustice, this, this, this part of us in life that says, wow, I got to be careful. Jonah did not want certain people to get saved. He, he wanted it for himself. He wanted it for his, his, uh, his people. He wanted it for uh, Israel. He didn't want it for uh, Nineveh. He didn't want it for Assyria. He knew they were bad people. And I'm, I'm telling you right now that as we walk through things together, you may have a confliction at some point in time. And that confliction may be political. It may be personal. It may be religious. It may be educational. 
And we, we, we have to walk through these things. I think, I think the churches in America, especially and around the world, but especially in America, are at a, a crossroads where we have to stop pointing fingers at people and, may, and, and wondering what they look like when God's looking inside at the heart saying, hey, that person has the potential to be a child of mine because I created that person. I love that person. Janie and I, I told you we were on this church planning thing and uh, maybe me more than her. But I've been there for a year, year and a half, and I, Lord, what, what's, what can we do? What's next? And it's not just about campuses. I want full-on church plants. So we met with a guy named Ralph Moore, us and 30 pastors, and Ralph Moore tells a little story, and I'll just give the, the, the outline of it. it. He lives in San Diego now. He's planted churches in Hermosa Beach, California, and Hawaii, and uh, you know, God bless him for being called to Hawaii to plant churches. And uh, back in San Diego, and there's 20,000 homeless people in San Diego. And, and you, if you're like me, and I, I'm going to be totally transparent, I don't trust everybody with a cardboard sign. All right? I, I apologize. My heart's gotten hardened. I'm working on it. But I'm, I've, I'm, I know for a fact I've judged some of them. I know for a fact I've probably said, hey, get a job. Not to them, but just in my own spirit. Uh, I know for a fact that I I've, that I've probably have had uh, some money that I could have given. Other times I don't. I don't carry a lot of cash. But he said he was in San Diego, and there was a homeless person that said, hey, could you have a dollar to spare? I need to buy something to eat. And he knew this guy. He judged him. He said, no, I don't. You know, I'm sorry. And he did. He said he had like 6 or $8 in his pocket. He had money. He could have given them, so he lied. Uh, there. He said, no, I can't. He, he said his heart was hard. And so he went somewhere, came back about 20 or 30 minutes later, and the guy had a bag of potato chips, and he was slowly eating with value one potato chip at a time. He said, like, that guy really just wanted a dollar so that he could buy something to eat on. And he said, the Lord just crushed his heart with, with conviction on how he could have given him more money. So he went over there, and he's apologizing to the guy. He gives him some more money. He said, man, I'm so sorry. He said he walked away with this thought that it wasn't his place to judge an opportunity for him to do something for the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that every person standing on every corner do you need to give money to. I'm saying that maybe the Lord will deal with you at some points in time, and probably this generation that's coming up after us, the millennials and even the next generation after them, they're a little bit more sensitive to some of the things that my generation has pushed off and said, wait, this is mine, I've worked for it, I've earned it, but that every blessing comes from above. It's all God's to begin with, right? And I, I've walked through issues, even recently, where because people in my life have gotten hurt, that I want to settle the issue, and I want to settle the core now. It's like, they are Nineveh, and I want to take care of it, and I feel like I have the right to, and I felt like the Lord's checked me and said, no, wait a second. No, 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 no. No. That's mine to deal with. That's not yours. And maybe, maybe as the worship team comes back, maybe God's putting some things in your life. And so as we have conversation over the next several weeks about Jonah, and by the way, it's, it's tough for me to even say that because I have a grandson named Jonah who's eight years old, and he's like the sweetest boy there is. He's just He's so uh, sensitive. He's so compassionate. He's so, he's so loving. He's so fun. And if something's going to happen in our household, Jonah's going to be the one that does it. 
You know, the other day I took him out for breakfast. It was Friday morning, and, and uh, they wanted pancakes, him and Brady, uh, our two oldest grandsons. And so I took him out at 8, and uh, we went to McDonald's, and one got pancakes and hash browns. The other one got pancakes and eggs. And so Jonah was pancakes and eggs, and uh, he was going to open the syrup. I said, Jonah, you want me to help you with that? He's very independent. Uh, no, I can get it, Poppy. I said, are you sure? Yeah, I can get it. And before you know it, Serve explosion. And uh, I said, he looked at me <laughs> like, what am I going to do? I said, we can wipe it up. It's all right, buddy. Let's put some napkins on there. And you know, some syrup is super syrupy, sticky. Like we're trying to, I said, let's just lay a foundation of napkins down here. And the, the fine people at McDonald's will clean this up. Let's get to, and so later on, he, you know, some people love syrup. And there wasn't enough syrup. So he looked at me made eye contact. He looks down at the other empty, the, the one more serve that's left over there. I, I said, I tried to be strategic because I thought if Brady would open it, I wouldn't offend Jonah. I said, Brady, you need some more syrup? No, I'm okay, Bobby. <laughs> so, Jonah said, I'll take it. <laughs> so here we go again. I said, right, you want me to open it for you? No, I'll get it better this time, Bobby. So he, he was careful. So he's just really innocent. So when I talk about Jonah the prophet, I, I have a hard time distinguishing between Jonah and my grandson because they're completely opposite. And you may have someone in your life that is just like the sweetest, most precious person in the world. We can't confuse that person with these people in Nineveh, but God loves this person as much as he does that person. God can't love more. But what he wants is he wants to institute the church to act as his agent for love. Because Jesus said, this is how they'll know, they'll know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. And the love that Jesus was talking about was not for the other 10 or 11 in the room. The love Jesus was talking about was for Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the other most parts of the world. And so the love that we have for other people, that's how other people know that we're his disciples. I'm going to ask you to stand with me just for a second. If you're comfortable doing so, just kind of close your eyes and raise your hands up. I've asked Janie to sing a specific song because sometimes we're afraid to go to the Ninevehs in our life. We're afraid to love people in our life that are less than lovely or maybe have even heart hurt us or harmed us in some way, shape, or form. Or maybe they've just, they've dealt with you uh, just not right. Maybe even evil. It's hard for us to love them. But I want, to, I want to tell you that you don't have to walk around in fear. You walk around as a child of the living God. You walk around as a, as a child of the King of kings and Lord of all glory. You walk around with authority that uh, you, you can love, but you don't have to be subject yourself to things that aren't, that aren't lovable. And there's a, there's a confliction there as well. It's like I said, me as a parent, as a pastor, as a friend, and as a husband. So maybe you have that same confliction. You count on God, but know this, if God sends you to Nineveh, you can go. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your word today. We pray today, Father, in Jesus' name, that you would help us, oh God. Lord, that you'd help us uh, rise above political parties. You would help us arise above people that strike fears or try to strike fear in us. You would let us arise above the evil one. Lord, you'd help us to, to love people just the way they are into the kingdom of God, Father. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. tries to roll over my bones when sorrow comes to steal the joy I found when brokenness 
it was a it's a harder one, right? It was just but it was good, right? Because we have to have in our minds that God loves everyone. And that's how he wants us to be. And as Pastor said, we've been going through some crazy heavy stuff in the dolphin house that God is just teaching us. He's under control. Our job isn't to try to fix everything. Our job is to learn to trust. And it's like that river that he's named the, the series after, the justice in a river or something like, something with the river. And Marcus and I were talking about that. And it's like, you know, if you think of a body of water, you can think of a pond or a lake. It can just sit there and become stagnant. But a stream or a river, it doesn't stop. It just keeps running and it just keeps running and it just keeps flowing. It's fresh water coming in all the time. And that's what God wants us to be, that fresh water, that fresh river. You know what? They hurt my feelings. They did me bad. You're just a pond or a swamp. But if you say, I want to be all that God wants me, I'm going to be that river. I'm going to let it out. I'm just going to let it go. I'm going to flow. I'm going to let it flow. I want to be a river of love. Amen. So, Father, we love you and we thank you so much. We thank you for your word because your word is truth. No matter we like it or we don't like it or we love it or it's pretty or it's hard or it's soft, your word is truth. That's all there is. Your word is truth. So, Lord, let me walk in truth. Let my ears hear truth. And, Father, let me be a river of love. When people hurt me, when people do me wrong, let me be quick to say, I forgive and I'm moving on because they're not going to make me become stagnant. But my love is going to be that what Christ wants it to be, that of just ever overflowing love of justice and mercy and grace so that I can be blessed, my children can be blessed, my grandchildren and my future families can all be blessed because we chose to do the right thing and that's be a river of love. So let that resonate in our spirits and our hearts today that you would be glorified. And Lord, I just pray over every person going through heavy stuff right now. I pray, Lord, that you would do exactly what you're doing for us, just teaching us to trust at a new level, a new level of trust that you are not worried about our situation, that you have everything under control. Our job is to trust you. So let us all do that. Let us walk in that trust and that love and that grace and that justice and that mercy that you're working it out for us. And Lord, we just believe that for each and every person here. We glorify you. We love you. In Jesus' name. All right. We love y'all so much. We'll see you Wednesday night at 645. Love y'all. Be blessed. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.